to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between Just One More Cupcake and Just One More Kettlebell Swing, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna Shaw-Flam. I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person. And I'm Daphne Yang. I'm a certified personal trainer, certified nutrition counselor, and the creator of Hit It. New York's ultimate high-intensity interval training workout. Before we begin, remember to talk to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan. Thanks to our patrons for helping to support the show as we grow. Um, our patrons include Andy, Jan, Lola, Mike, Jason, Dave, Ethan, Libby, Maddie, Sarah, Patricia, and Ben, and other people too. Um, if you want to become part of our patron community, Go to justonemorepodcast.com and click become a patron at the top of the page. Or you can go to patreon.com slash justonemorepodcast and uh, be the first one to get all our super cool stuff that um, we put there. So, um, this is going to be the first of three deep dive episodes about the trimesters of pregnancy. I'm excited for this one. I know. Yay. This is also the first podcast we are recording together in which I am acknowledging that I am pregnant. Yay! <laughs> Everyone, um, Joanna's pregnant. <laughs> Daphne's been keeping this secret for so long. It feels like a long time. It is a long time. Pregnancy's a long time. I feel time. like this episode is also kind of like your coming out party. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Even though it's just you and I here right now. Where's my parade, Daddy? I know. Where's your party hat? Um, I have a cake waiting for you outside <laughs> of the room. Um, but yeah, so as we record this, um, I am 25 weeks pregnant. I'll be significant. Uh, if all goes well, I'll be significantly more pregnant by the time this airs. I hope all of you listeners are freaking out right now. Yes, I hope you're freaking out too. The way I did when Joanna told me... <laughs> And I, I burst into tears. Yeah, so. I think, um, I mean, I recorded it in my... Oh, yeah. I haven't, I'm doing these episodes out of order, but I believe people will have heard it if they listened to last week's episode. Excellent. Um, but we um, we talked three years ago, before either of us had experienced this, about pregnancy and uh, in sort of broad terms, and I thought it would be worth it to go back and talk about the, uh, do an episode per trimester, and talk about things a little bit more in depth and also talk about them having now had a personal experience. Um, and even though um, I am the uh, pregnant person in this episode, Daphne has been with me every step of the way, so we have a lot of like shared experience surrounding my pregnancy that I thought would be useful uh, in the episode. So, um, as I say that, one of the main things I have learned from experiencing my own pregnancy is that every pregnancy is different, and so... I'm only able to talk from my experience and from our general research. Talk to your own doctor about your own situation. If something is different for you than it is for me, don't freak out. Um, there are just like as many different pregnancies as there are people who get pregnant. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to say is that um, I want to be conscious in this episode of the fact that like not everyone who experiences pregnancy identifies as female. Um, so I'm going to try to use terms like people who are pregnant, person who is pregnant. Um, I'm going to do my best. But call me out, listeners, if I do a bad job, because we want to include everyone for whom this uh, might be an experience. So today we're talking about the first trimester. The first trimester. Which is like the secret time. It is the secret time, but it wasn't a secret when you told me. That's true. <laughs> or I was um, the... I was one of the, the few people who, 
Yeah, I feel like there are a few people in your life who, first trimester, you do have to tell them, your personal trainer and health coach. Right. <laughs> being being one of them. Yeah. yeah. So to talk about, um, like, how pregnancies are divided up, um, I think it's really interesting because in pop culture, we talk about nine months, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, I feel like there are movie like there's a isn't there a movie that's called like, like nine months is. like a rom com. There's type. also a movie called Nine and a Half Weeks, and it took me a long time to realize that that is not related to pregnancy. Like a, yeah, it was like a very raunchy like rated R type thing. Oh that, my! Yeah, I know. I think it came out when we were children. Yeah, but don't watch that movie because it, or if you're looking for anything, <laughs> that's a rom com. Um, but. And then all of a sudden, as soon as you are either pregnant or trying to get pregnant, you switch to weeks. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've had a lot of people in my life ask me, like, how far along are you? And I will tell them weeks because I'm thinking in terms of weeks. And then they get this, like, glazed over look on their face Mm -hmm. because that's not how people who haven't experienced pregnancy think about pregnancy. Um, But the reason that it's confusing is my, my first question here is when does the first trimester start? And the answer may surprise you. It starts before you get pregnant. (laughs) Um, So it starts when you conceive. uh, It starts at the first day of your last period before conception. Before conception. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and the reason that this happens is um, your doctors don't know exactly what day you conceived unless you happen to be using an ovulation kit. And even then, um, the way that um, pregnancy works like when you ovulate. Well, okay, I'm going to take a step back here. <laughs> Basics on the cycle. So um, I also didn't really know this until I started tracking my cycle to try to get pregnant, which is that your cycle starts on the first day of your period. I always thought of it starting on the last day of my period, but it actually starts on the first day um, because like how long into your cycle your period lasts has more to do with like... Um, the, like, thickness of your uterine lining and just, like, how your body works than it does with where you actually are in the cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, So, basically, on day one of a monthly cycle, you start your period. Your uterine lining shreds, er, shreds, God, terrible, sheds. (laughs) Although anyone who's ever had a period knows it's fairly (laughs) accurate to say shreds. Um, Your uterine lining starts to shed, and that is what we think of as a period. Um, And then approximately... 14 days later, you ovulate, which is when your um, ovaries send an egg down your fallopian tubes to try to get fertilized. Um, I say approximately because who knows when it actually comes down. It really depends on the person. Some people have 28-day cycles at which they ovulate on day 14. Some people have shorter cycles. Some people have longer cycles. If you've been on birth control for a long time, you may not know how long your cycle is because birth control regulates your cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the reason that doctors start counting weeks of pregnancy at the first day of your last period is because that's the only day they can be sure of. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's why when you actually, when like sperm meets egg and you actually like have fertilization, um, they don't know when that happened, at least not right away. Um, and so they start counting it at the first day of your last period. So on the day of fertilization, you are considered two weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. By the time you miss your first period, you're considered around four weeks pregnant. 
Um, so you don't even know that you're pregnant until you're like four or five weeks, but also those first two weeks you actually weren't pregnant. Mm -hmm. So the counting is very funny. Um, but that is when the first trimester starts is on the first day of your last period before pregnancy. And then would you like to say when it ends? Yes. <laughs> so your first trimester, the, the trimesters are like around 13 weeks and I've seen some differing, uh, like demarcation as to like, is it week 12? Is it week 13? Is it week 14? But like basically 13 weeks ish is the end of the first trimester. Um, so that if you're counting in months is like around three months, except that since a pregnancy is generally counted as 40 weeks, if you divide 40 by three, you get like an extra week in there. So Converting from weeks to months is a little bit confusing, mm -hmm. but it's around three months into your pregnancy is the end of your first trimester. Um, so, uh, the next thing I was going to talk about is pregnancy testing, because somewhere in there, if you get pregnant, you're going to find out about it. Um, and <laughs> at, people, at some point in time, at you At some shall. point, you should find out that you're pregnant, because you might want to make some changes. Um, and... Uh, so, the, like, I thought about this a lot when I was trying to get pregnant, how, like, in olden times, like, it really has not been that long that pregnancy tests like we have now have existed. Like, did you watch Glow? I did not. First of all, you should watch that show. I feel um, like I would love it's it. It's amazing. Um, but in the show Glow, in the first season, a character, it takes place in the 80s, and a character takes a an at-home pregnancy test, and they show it, and it's like all of these test tubes and it takes like hours and they have to like do all these, like it looks like a chemistry experiment. Um, and that's not that long ago. Yeah. That was less than, less than four decades. Ago, yeah. Right. And so, um, it used to be that like you just waited and like saw if your period came. Yeah. I feel like people knew they were pregnant when their mother-in-laws, this is like talking like centuries and centuries ago, and maybe decades and decades ago, it was always some type of situation in which they didn't even really realize that they had missed a period. But it was it's always like the mother-in-law, or you read this in like novels and stuff, who's like, you look like you're pregnant. <laughs> my, yeah, my friends were like, is it like the movies where you were at a social function and then you threw up and everyone looked at you weird? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Um, the way it is much more likely to be for people who experience planned wanted pregnancies is that you are waiting desperately during what we call the two-week wait, which is the period between, it's the two weeks approximately, between when you ovulate and when a pregnancy would show up on a home pregnancy test. So that's like around week 28 approximately, except it could be much shorter or much longer depending on what your cycle looks like. Um, and uh, some people wait to see if they get their period or not. I found that to be intolerable mm -hmm. um, because I wanted to be pregnant and uh, it's hard to wait. Um, and also there's like some, I experienced some stress about like during that time when I might be pregnant, like should I be drinking? Mm -hmm. um, that was it, a big thing for you. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And I felt differently about it at different points during the process. I think I was more militant about it early. And then the longer it was taking, I was like, whatever. (laughs) I can't do this to myself every month. Um, But um, home pregnancy tests are now, um, like, extremely accurate around the, um, like, two weeks post-ovulation time. Um, They say that if you, like, take them on the day you expect your period to come, they're, like you know, somewhere in, like, the 90 percentile accurate. Um, things that I didn't know before I got pregnant is I have heard that if you get a negative pregnancy test, it is still somewhat possible that you might be pregnant and you just tested too early. If you get a positive pregnancy test, you're pregnant. <laughs> like, there aren't really false positives. Yeah. So, like, if you take a pregnancy test and it says you're pregnant assume that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, if you take one and you don't, you either get a negative response or an unclear response, you may need to, like, wait a few days and test again. Because the way that at-home pregnancy tests work is they test the um, amount of, uh, like, the specific hormone in your pee. Um, and it might just take a while for it to build up enough to appear on the test. Um, my tips about tests... There are some that have, like, one line if you're not pregnant and two lines if you are. And then there are other ones that just say pregnant or not pregnant. Having used both, just use the ones that say pregnant or not pregnant. (laughs) Because you will convince yourself of all sorts of lines that do or do not exist on the line tests. Especially if you, like, really want to be pregnant. You'll, like, lie to yourself. And also, they tell you in the instructions with the line ones, like, don't look at this an hour later because you're going to think that you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. There's also a plus and a negative, Mm -hmm. too, right? Yeah. Once again, more lines. Right. My personal opinion is that the difference in cost is not that much to get the digital ones that just say pregnant or not pregnant. Is that the one that you used? uh, Later on, yeah. After, like, arguing with myself about, like, is that a line? Maybe it's a line. (laughs) It's not worth it. Just get the ones that say yes or no. (laughs) Um, You'll save yourself some, uh, some struggle. Um, but yeah, you can test as soon as like the day that you expect your period to come. Um, you may decide that you want to wait longer, um, just so that you aren't sort of experiencing that like disappointment of getting a negative test. Also tests, they're not like super expensive, but it's like four or five bucks a test. Um, and if you are trying for a long time, it can feel like it starts to add up and Mm -hmm. then the, like, cost adds insult to injury. (laughs) You're like, man, I'm not pregnant and I just peed away five (laughs) dollars so do what works for you um I tried to keep myself from testing until at least the day that I was expecting my period but everybody does what works for them some people will just like wait until a missed period or until until they're like wow I'm really late (laughs) I guess I should take a test um and actually by the time that I actually, by the month I actually did get pregnant, I was avoiding testing because I was so sure I wasn't pregnant. Um, And then we were flying home for my best friend's wedding. Shout out to Kate. Um, And I was like, we're going to go be at a wedding where there's going to be a bunch of booze. And we're going to be seeing both of our parents. If I'm pregnant, I better give us 24 hours to, like, adjust to that idea before we go home. So... I took the test and I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) quick.
mental adjustment time. Surprise. So, um, the next thing that I, is this gross? As a non-pregnant, I mean, you're oh, not as a all. non-pregnant Talking person. Talking about the fetus? <laughs> well, I just mean the whole is process. Peeing on sticks oh and my like, gosh, no, not all at these all. things. Um, Oh, well, not not to me at all. <laughs> yeah. No, this is my world. Yeah, I've been pre- and postnatal certified since I started training. So um, uh, for me, it, it came in waves. There was one point in time about, it was about three years ago, actually, when you and I recorded our first episode on pregnancy. Uh, I think I had seven pregnant women all Whoa. at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for me, this is all... This is all like a, a nice little refresher course on, <laughs> yeah, on what happens when pregnant. But I think that this is great. Nothing phases me. I'm like a doctor. <laughs> um, so yeah, so um, I wanted to talk about what is happening developmentally to the fetus during that those first twelve to thirteen weeks of pregnancy. Um, so it starts out. It's just a little sperm and an egg. So small you can't see them. And it grows super fast um, to the point where um, I found out that, like, when you go to your first doctor's appointment, they can tell your due date within a couple days based on the size of the fetus on the ultrasound because it grows so fast. Um, So that's how they determine your due date if you don't know exactly when um, you got pregnant. Isn't that crazy? That is so bonkers. I also like the fact that nowadays everyone is able to compare their the size of their fetus to some type of fruit or vegetable. Yes. Or a French pastry. There's an app that does that. Mm-hmm. Too. Totally. Um, so, uh, where are you at today? <laughs> Croissant? I, I'm at a Napa cabbage. Oh, a Napa cabbage. It's pretty big. I know. Not a regular cabbage. No. A Napa cabbage. But it was funny during the first... So much longer, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some of these fruits, I'm like, mm, is that a shape a human should be? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but in those early developmental stages, um, it was more like the size of a peppercorn. Mm-hmm. Like when we told my sister, I think... It was the size of a peppercorn. Oh, um, and uh, it's so cute. It's cute and weird. Um, so basically, like during that first trimester, um, the uh, the um, embryo, and I feel bad because there are different times at which you do call it an embryo and a fetus and all those things, and I don't remember what the difference is. But it's like, as it grows, it gets more and more official names. Um, And there's also a line, so before you're, like, six weeks pregnant, they consider it a chemical pregnancy, um, which means that, like, you may technically be pregnant, but it's not, like, it's still totally possible that you could never know you were pregnant and that the pregnancy, if it wasn't viable would essentially, um, like, end itself um, in a way that you would basically think was a period. Um, And that's just a natural way of your body making sure that if you're going to put all the time and energy into growing um, a fetus, that it has the best chance of surviving. Mm -hmm. Um, And then going back to the embryo and fetus. Yes, thank you. Bring me some science. Yeah. (laughs) So around week four, that's when the embryo will split into two, and then it creates the placenta, Mm. which is what delivers nutrients and oxygen to your baby. 
throughout the pregnancy. Totally. And so it's also during the stage around week four that, like, the brain and the spinal cord and the backbone form, um, nerves start to form, uh, kind of laying the foundation for your baby's eyes and vision. And an interesting thing about the placenta is when you're talking about, like, not just what's happening to the embryo slash fetus, but what's happening to the person that is um, growing that inside of their body, is that um, until the placenta is fully formed, um, you, the host, (laughs) are basically handling all the hormonal stuff for the embryo slash fetus. And um, that is the reason, transitioning a little bit into what's happening to a pregnant person's body, that is the reason that the first trimester can be so rough is because your body is experiencing all these crazy hormone changes because you're handling all the hormones for this little creature because there's no placenta to do it for them. Um, And so they think that may have something to do with what causes morning sickness. Um, They think that that may have to do with like why you get so tired in those first 12 to 13 weeks, um, why you have like mood swings, um, like aversions or cravings for foods Mm -hmm. because um, the placenta isn't there to like take some of that stress off of you. Well, I know the answer to this, but Joanna, (laughs) did you experience any of those sensations? I did. Um, (laughs) Honestly, I got off way easier than a lot of people, Um, but weeks six through eight, I was pretty nauseous. Um, I never vomed, but uh, I felt pretty gross and was having to eat pretzels in bed before getting out. I called them bedzels. That's cute. And, uh, yeah, I feel like three weeks is getting off pretty easy. Some people don't feel morning sickness at all. Also, like, anything you read now about morning sickness, the first thing they say is, like, it's called morning sickness, but it can happen any time. Which, like... Yes, that is definitely true. You're not creative for saying it within the first three seconds of talking about morning sickness. But it does happen to be true that it's like, for most people, happens at many times of day. Um, Things they suggest include, like, keeping your blood sugar relatively stable by eating something like pretzels or saltines um, before you get out of bed. Um, They really don't understand a lot about morning sickness, Mm -hmm. um, which considering what a huge percentage of the population it affects at some point during their lives is insane. Um, But the nice thing is that for most people, it goes away by the end of the first trimester because the placenta has strengthened itself and is taking on more of the um, work. Um, Something else that happens during this time that applied to me because I um, take medication for my thyroid is that um, during the first trimester, the fetus can't regulate its own, or it doesn't make its own thyroid hormones, so it takes them from you. And so it's really important if you have thyroid stuff going on that you are getting your levels checked during the first trimester because um, the way my doctor explained it was like, your body is going to like suck up what the um, fetus needs. So it's going to leave you totally drained if you don't have enough of those hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, it can lead, not having enough of those hormones, if you already have a problem with thyroid stuff, um, can lead to an increased risk of miscarriage during that time. So if you have thyroid stuff, you want to make sure that you're getting your levels checked early on, that you're talking to your endocrinologist. Um, and 
probably doing what my doctor did, which is like upping my levels as soon as I knew I wanted to get pregnant so that um, my body would be ready right away. Mm-hmm. And some other symptoms of the first trimester, well, once again, tangenting off the hormones, sometimes people experience that as PMS-like symptoms. So mm. some mood changes. Totally. Yeah, some mood changes, um, mood dips, uh, or just being a little bit more um, like sensitive to different maybe external factors. So the mood changes are a big one. And then aversions, cravings, and taste distortions. So digestion is really (laughs) slowing down. And as your hormones change, you start to experience changes in food preferences. So you might find that some foods become completely intolerable, um, while others become very almost kind of alluring. And it can feel a little confusing, but we all know that this is perfectly normal. This is another thing in pop culture and in the media. People always talk about certain cravings that all pregnant women have. And I remember the funniest thing for me was one of your aversions was the hand cream. Yes. Um, Your sense of smell um, can go crazy when you're pregnant. And I came in one day um, and uh, I was like, Daphne, I think my hand lotion went bad. (laughs) And she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I think it it smells bad. And you, I made you smell my lotion and you were like, it's fine. Totally fine. And it was unscented lotion. So like, I don't, yeah. Yeah. Unscented and and nowhere near any type of expiration date. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just your body starting to create an aversion towards, uh, and being so sensitive to that Mm -hmm. smell. Yeah. And it was hard for me to tell when that was happening because it wasn't like all smells were different. It was just certain things were, like, really intense. You said you um, like, the smell of certain peanut butters, too. Yes. It was specifically, um, like, peanut butter as it exists in, like, processed snacks. Mm-hmm. So those, like, peanut butter-filled Trader Joe's pretzels, which I know are precious to you. <laughs> um, they're precious to me, too. Except during my first trimester when it was, like, the least appealing thing ever. And I knew I didn't want to eat them. But we had some. And um, Matt was sitting next to me, and he, like, opened the bag. And this was the only time this happened so far during my pregnancy, but I was, immediately, I was just like, oh, you cannot eat those near me. <laughs> so your Betzels were definitely not the They were not peanut butter pretzels. <laughs> True. Um, but everyone experiences these things differently. I have felt like my cravings and food stuff has not been that weird. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have things that are, like, much more obvious. Like, the one you always hear about is, like, pickles and ice cream or, mm-hmm. like, um, but... Uh, I have not felt that way. Um, some of that is just like random luck of the draw. And some of it, you and I talked about this a little bit. I was just about to bring up. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, something you had mentioned to me was we've worked with you for a long time on intuitive eating as it was and always being in, in tune with what it was that you're mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually craving for food or nourishment in that present moment. So trans- transitioning into the world of pregnancy Um, It was almost not so much of a big change because you already had been really listening to what you have been wanting um, for so many years now. So so you realizing you were sensitive to certain things or um, we also made mention of oftentimes when people do become pregnant and it's their first trimester and they know that they are supposed to be intuitive and listen to their cravings and they're almost expecting the cravings. There's almost a little bit of an excitement that, oh, I get to eat these foods that I haven't eaten in a long time for reasons X, Y, Z. And the excitement over that might feel a little bit heightened. Um, and I think maybe that's why your, your 
easing into the like the food during your first trimester was pretty seamless because you've been intuitively eating all along. Yeah, I think so many women restrict what they eat so much that pregnancy is one of the only times in our culture where women feel um, that like all bets are off. Um, and uh, we like culturally encourage and accept that for this like one brief period in women's lives. It's okay to eat whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that does probably at least um, amplify people's experiences of cravings. Um, this is all speculation, but it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the point is like whether you're pregnant or not, if there's something that you're craving, like listen to that. And, like, everything's on the menu. Yeah. If you're craving a cookie, you get to have a cookie, whether you're pregnant or not. Right, right. And, like, (laughs) letting yourself have that um, is fine, and it will probably reduce the feeling of it being, like, super intense. Exactly. Yeah. And I remember some things, uh, like, at one point in time, you you really wanted, like, some cheese. It was, like, you needed the calcium. Yeah, especially in the first Uh, trimester. I, like, needed dairy and protein. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've heard lots of different wonderful things, but I also attribute it to the human body is always telling you what it needs. And so especially that will be a little heightened during times of pregnancy. So if, um, I, f- I find a lot of women are craving like burgers because they feel like they need the iron. Um, I remember one client was really craving beets. Like she really wanted a beet hmm. and goat cheese salad because she was craving the iron calcium. So craving the cheese. And I think that's where the ice cream craving comes in, mm. you know? Also ice cream is so, delicious. Yeah. That, I mean, that too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some Talenti gelato so we can get the Tupperware out of the Talenti. To use for snack mix. So, but yeah. And then some other, some other things that you might experience in the, the first trimester, uh, fatigue. For me, that is what I... In terms of all the pregnant women who I have been working with and and then also just friends and my older sister and the fatigue in the first trimester is a real thing. And then I always find it ironic because the first trimester is when you're not showing. So it's almost like you're not showing, no one knows yet that you're pregnant really. It's not quite visible, but this is when your body is so tired. And the reason why is because your metabolic rate is way above normal. And your body is, your metabolism is essentially working in overdrive because it's trying to create the start of a human. So you're burning so much energy just to function. Um, Something I always said to you is like, of course you're going to be tired. Like your body is growing a baby. Your body is building a baby. There's a great Ali Wong joke where she's like, I'm busy. I'm building an eyeball. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And that's where some of the fatigue comes in. Mm -hmm. So, and then there, so those are physical changes. And then also the emotional ups and downs make you feel mentally spent too. So totally normal. And if you are experiencing the extreme fatigue of the first trimester, um, evaluating your lifestyle, doing things that, uh, resting when you feel the need to rest, making shifts in your day-to-day life to give yourself a little bit more rest, not overworking. Um, and then exercise can actually help rev up your, your energy. Yes. Everyone says that. And it was like the last thing I wanted to do. Like I had a really regular, um, exercise life, um, it wasn't like super impressive, but I was working out like three to four times a week, very regularly for years. And, um, during my first trimester, I just like, didn't have it. 
I just didn't have the gas. And so I listened to that and I said, like, I'm going to try to do some prenatal yoga videos at home. I'm going to try to, like, go for some walks. But it really did feel dramatic to me, like, how much energy I had. The thing that I will say is, like, your energy is going to come back um, in the second trimester. And um, my doctor was, like, pretty direct about it and said, like, as soon as you can, you want to get back to the stuff that you were doing before you got pregnant because the more that you exercise safely and within reason, but the more that you exercise during your pregnancy, the better outcomes are yeah. for you and for the baby. Definitely. And when she told me that, I was like, ugh. <laughs> but once I did get back into it, like around the end of the first trimester, um, going into the second trimester, it really has gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about this more in the second trimester mm-hmm. episode, but... The funny thing is, then second trimester, you're showing, and that's when everyone is like, oh, you're pregnant. Like, Shouldn't oh you gosh, be resting? Sit down. And, but that's when your energy levels come back. Totally. So, it's so bonkers. It is bonkers. Um, but, and then another thing that happens is uh, a lot of women feel thirst and frequent urination. Within oh, yeah. The I was super thirsty. Yeah. Actually, that's the first sign that I had that I was pregnant is, um, like, before I even took the test, I was, like, super thirsty. So the reason why is um, your hormones are changing, once again. So your progesterone has increased, and that's what causes the increased urination, for, or like the, the, the need to pee so much, which you're right, is an early symptom of pregnancy. But what's also happening, and this is where the thirst came from for you, your body fluids are starting to increase during pregnancy, and what that means is your kidneys have to start to work over time to flush this extra fluid out. So that's why all this fluid is getting flushed out because so much is happening in your body. That's where the thirst comes from. But then also the low position of the uterus is adding to the pressure that you might be feeling, which is then why you feel the need to pee so much. So lots of shifts, but that's definitely a, a um, I want to say a symptom of the first trimester. Mm-hmm. A feeling. A feeling you, you have. A feeling you have. feeling you may have. Trimester. Um, a, another thing that I felt, and, um, well, I'm going to save that for later. Mm-hmm. So, um, in terms of going to the doctor, I talk to your um, OBGYN about what uh, they recommend, but I think this is pretty standard that my doctor didn't want to see me until I was eight weeks pregnant. That feels like a long time when you are in your first trimester. Um, That means that you've known you were pregnant for a month. You're probably not talking about it to other people. You're probably worried about, like, whether or not you're going to stay pregnant because um, miscarriage is much more common during the first 12 weeks of pregnancy um, than it is later in pregnancy. Um, But that's also why your doctor wants to wait, is that um, around eight weeks is when they can start to see something on an ultrasound, um, and they can actually tell you a little bit more about um, what's going on inside you. So once you know that you're pregnant, you've had a positive at-home test, you call your OBGYN and schedule an appointment for eight weeks. Um, And at that appointment, at least in my experience, what happened was um, I had an ultrasound and a blood test, both of which were to confirm my pregnancy. And by the end of that appointment, the things my doctor was able to tell me were 
I was a, I was pregnant. B, there was only one, which for me was a huge relief because my grandmother was an identical twin and I was very nervous that I was going to get pregnant with twin giant babies because my husband's a giant. So they said, I, I was pregnant. There was only one. Um, it was the right size and it was in the right place. Um, and that was it. That was all they could really tell me. Um, but at that point, that was a huge relief um, for all of those reasons. Um, and uh, there are lots of different results you can get at that first appointment. You can find out that, like, you aren't actually pregnant and something else is going on because a lot of the symptoms of early pregnancy, like you said, mimic PMS symptoms. So it's very hard to tell until afterwards whether or not, like, afterwards, now I can be like, well, I was really thirsty, so obviously I was pregnant. I could have just been PMSing. Right. You know, it's like all the same symptoms. Um, uh, the It could be that you were pregnant and you're not anymore. Um, the body tries to make sure that if you're going to grow a pregnancy that it's um, going to be healthy and viable. Um, so that can be a really um, sad and traumatic experience for people. The thing that I was really worried about was... Um, the, uh, it being in the right place. I was convinced, even though the statistics did not bear this out, uh, but I was really worried that I was going to have an ectopic pregnancy where the, um, embryo attaches in your fallopian tubes instead of the uterus. It can be super dangerous. It can be super painful. Um, part of this was just me being a worrywart, but part of it was, um, that I was having pain when I like bent over, um, not like crazy pain, but a little bit of pain. So I was uh, nervous about that going in, but they were able to tell me from the um, ultrasound, it's in the right spot. Um, and then you don't see your doctor again for another four weeks until the end of your first trimester. Um, so you're just coasting and letting your baby bake? Totally, yeah. Um, the amount of information you don't have during that time can be um, really, can really mess with your emotions and all of that stuff. Um, Did you find that was the case for you? Yeah, I mean, what I have found through the whole process of being pregnant is um, leading up to an appointment, I get the most nervous. Mm -hmm. Immediately after the appointment, I feel great. And then the further it gets from that appointment mm -hmm. and the closer it gets to the next appointment, the more nervous I get about how things are going. Um, I think a lot of women can relate to that. Totally. Because um, it's just hard not to know, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about, like, in the first trimester, people probably don't know. So that's a personal decision for you. Like, you get to decide who you want to tell, when you want to tell them. Um, the reason that a lot of people don't share the news of a pregnancy until the end of the first trimester is twofold. One is because of the um, miscarriage risk that we mentioned earlier, that like um, miscarriages are much more common in the first 12 weeks of a pregnancy than after that. Um, and so some people don't want to announce because either they just feel it's bad luck or they don't want to have to like take it back or they don't want to have to be public about a miscarriage experience if they don't want to. Um, I think there are a lot of people who are working really hard to decrease the stigma around miscarriage because it's extremely common. That's so common. Um, it's like one in three, I don't know if it's one in three women or one in three pregnancies, 
Uh, but I think it's, it's one in three is, women have experienced a miscarriage. Yeah. And a quick ta- tangent, they're, they're so common, but the reason why they're more... Uh, we hear about it more now is because we also exist in a day and age now where we are finding out we're pregnant so much right sooner away, so much sooner whereas back in the day um, women would have miscarriages because once again they were so normal like early on and they wouldn't even know that they had them so totally yeah that's one of the sort of downsides of our testing getting better is that totally Um, Because it does cause a lot of emotional turmoil. Or it can, you know. I think people have different experiences of that. That's very true, yes. It Um, it really depends on the person. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and what else you've experienced and what your expectations are. Um, But, uh, you know, you... In terms of that stuff, you can make the decision that's right for you. Um, What was right for me was, obviously, I told my partner right away. um, And then I decided to tell my sister really early on because what I thought was if I do experience a miscarriage I want someone to other than my partner to be up on what's going on so that they can be there to support me Mm -hmm. um and uh that ended up being a good decision for me um I also told you relatively soon because I tell you everything (laughs) about my, my bad um and my feels Um, and we'd been, you know, together on this journey of wanting to be pregnant for a long time. Um, but most other people we waited until after the first trimester, um, not just because of the miscarriage risk, but also because at your 12 week appointment, which is your next appointment with your doctor, you do a bunch of screening for chromosomal abnormalities. Um, and so that can be things like Down syndrome, trisomy, Um, a lot of like the big, um, you know, chromosome related things. And, um, after we got the results of that test is when we felt like we wanted to be more public about, um, our pregnancy, but those decisions aren't set in stone. You can do whatever you want. If you want to tell everybody when you get that first at home pregnancy test, do your thing. Like if you don't want to tell anyone until you're as big as a blimp, don't tell anybody. Um, you know, it's up to you and your partner and there are benefits and downsides of talking to people at any time. So, um, you know, yeah, everyone gets to have their own experience. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about this. I guess it's a metaphor for life, but <laughs> really, um, there is not a set certain way or one set of societal norms in which one person needs to go about their pregnancy. Totally. Yeah. Um, let's throw it to Daphne yeah, to but, talk but about... Yeah, tell your uh, trainer. Your trainer has to know. <laughs> yeah, your trainer should know. I find uh, out before people tell their parents, which is funny. Yeah. But I have to. Mm-hmm. You have to, because you have to change stuff right away in terms of the exercise program. Well, let's talk but, about that. Let's talk about food and drink. Yeah. And let's talk about exercise. Yes. So, uh, well, in terms of food, um, avoid alcohol, cigarettes, and illicit drugs. <laughs> Sounds obvious, but it's good to say. Good to say. uh, Unheated deli meats, soft-cooked or raw eggs, raw or undercooked meats, raw sprouts. Uh, Don't handle cat litter or gardening without gloves. Herbal supplements and teas, hot tubs and saunas, mackerel, swordfish, tilefish. Um, Don't use oil-based paints. Don't surround yourself with things that might have lead or mercury in them. Also um, a good idea in normal cleaning, life. Yeah, cleaning products. 
and don't take anything that's don't take any medication that's not approved by your doctor and then obviously no x-rays and then soft cheeses uh, unpasteurized milk and unpasteurized juices so just a big uh, just say no to all those things and then you just want to think about nutrient density and listening to your body and and eating intuitively and eating things that sound and feel delicious to you but also eating things that are packing a punch when it comes to protein uh, fat carbohydrates and vitamins and minerals so in terms of exercise what you can do is pretty much everything you were doing beforehand but once again your energy levels are super low but if you are able to find a balance of being intuitive but also also sneaking in some physical activity to see if it can help with energy levels and just increase circulation, um, then that, that can be helpful. But ultimately, I always say to be completely intuitive with the exercise. So you can do anything you were doing before the pregnancy during your first trimester, but don't start anything relatively new. So I, I would use running as a big example. If you were running beforehand, you can continue running, but if you weren't running beforehand, you don't necessarily need to start running. That being said, there are certain things that even if you were not necessarily doing before you got pregnant, I would bring in some type of pre prenatal yoga and also some strength training. So strength training, you can do everything. Dumbbells, just avoid doing anything where you're lying down on your back, lying down on your stomach, or pressing dumbbells over your belly. Don't go horseback riding. And the only reason is, <laughs> just you don't want to fall off a horse. So <laughs> true. Um, essentially, the overarching theme of fitness during your first trimester is to, like you maintained a, a really awesome regimen of about three or four workouts a week that felt very organic to you. We took down your strength training so that instead of maybe doing nine exercises during a workout, we just did, did like three. Yeah. You know, because we have to, we do have to pay attention to, to your energy levels because we never want the workouts to fatigue you or drain you even more. And so the goal is to exercise safely. So stop if you feel nauseous, if you get too overheated, if you feel dehydrated, and also if you feel like your heart rate is getting too, too high. We want to get the heart rate a little bit elevated, but if it gets too high, uh, we don't want that to put any stress on your body. And, and I think your heart rate goes up higher from less effort during pregnancy anyway. That's what I have found for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's a factor. And once again, goes back to the fact that your body is growing a human, and so your metabolic rate is higher. Therefore, you might find even walking down a hallway, walking up a flight of stairs, will be huffing and puffing, which is totally normal. Um, so free weights, resistance training, strength training, any type of um, walking, running, doing things that essentially spark joy, but also avoiding things where there is any risk. So the risk of falling, that's what it is. So avoid hiking maybe a waterfall, like don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> avoid horseback riding. Cycling outdoors is fine, but... You want to be careful of the bike. Like, the, it's not cycling. It's that's falling the issue. Off the it's falling off. So that's something where if you can avoid it, feel free to avoid it. You can just go into a spin studio, and that's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you've been spinning. Yes, I have. But I did stop bike riding outside. Mm -hmm. um, a couple things based on food stuff. 
Um, so one of the resources I was going to recommend to people um, in or before the first trimester is there is a book called Expecting Better by Emily Oster. Um, and uh, Emily Oster is an economist. And she, when she was looking to get pregnant, um, sort of looked at all of the common um, information that was out there and common recommendations about pregnancy and wanted to know, like, are these based on good studies? Are they based on large studies? Like, which of these things actually matter and which ones are just things we tell pregnant women and they just make their lives difficult? Um, so she covers everything from, like, alcohol and caffeine during pregnancy to exercise. Um, it, it's a really great book that can help you make some decisions about what rules are important to you to follow. Um, and this can always be in conversation with your doctor. Um, but she doesn't say, like, based on this information, these are the new rules. She said, based on the information, you make your own decision. So, like, some of the foods that you mentioned, she, she goes through all of the, like, food and drink restrictions and talks about, like, why are these things restricted? Why aren't you supposed to handle cat litter? Um, you know, why is uh, raw dairy off of the menu? Um, and then based on those things, you can decide what risks are appropriate for you. Mm -hmm. So, for example, she talks about, like, sushi. Um, so, a, a, like, raw fish, everybody knows, like, you're not supposed to eat uh, sushi during pregnancy. And she looked at why that was, and she said, with raw fish, it's just an issue of food poisoning. Um, but the danger of getting food poisoning of that type when you're pregnant is not actually any worse than the danger of getting that kind of food poisoning when you're not pregnant. Of course, it's not pleasant to have food poisoning when you're pregnant, but it's not pleasant to have it any time. So she said, like, if that's a risk that you're willing to take in your regular life, um, you know, she wouldn't eat, like, gas station sushi. But, like, if you have a place that you go and feel confident about the quality of the fish she says that she felt for herself that that was a risk she was willing to take. Whereas with the deli meat thing, the reason that they tell you to avoid deli meats is because of the risk of listeria, which is a kind of foodborne illness that is actually especially dangerous for pregnant women. It can um, really be dangerous for fetuses. So she said um, she did avoid deli meats, even though she didn't avoid sushi, because of the type of risk that it was. Mm. So if you're interested in knowing more about where some of those rules come from, um, Expecting Better is a great book uh, for doing that. Awesome. It also is just, like, really um, respectful of pregnant women and their agency, which a lot of stuff about being pregnant is kind of paternalistic and is like, we're just going to make these blanket rules because we don't believe women can make rules and stick to them for themselves. Really and I was like, are you kidding? Women are the best at rules. Yeah. <laughs> and they're always making them. We're so good at thinking for ourselves. We are great at it. <laughs> um, so, uh, the other resource I was going to recommend is the Pregnancy Podcast, very simply named. Um, but I, especially early on in my pregnancy, I was like so hungry for information. And uh, the Pregnancy Podcast um, has great... Uh, episodes in their like regular feed and then they also have a separate feed called the 40 weeks podcast that has a little five minute episode for each week of pregnancy um, I really recommend it it's a great resource is there anything else you wanted to say about the first trimester Daphne uh, I think that just about covers it I love that we get the first-hand experience from you yes me too um, and uh, 
So I'm going to do a little takeaway. Um, so the first trimester is the first approximately 13 weeks of a pregnancy. Um, it goes from the first day of your last period before getting pregnant up until um, you are uh, getting an, your usually second in the U.S. ultrasound um, that uh, deals with uh, chromosomal abnormalities and all that stuff. Um, there's a lot of changes going on that we talk about. Um, uh, biological changes, emotional changes, all of those things. Um, and uh, it's, it's a cool time. You can make your own decision about who you want to let in on that time and uh, how much of it you want to keep for yourself or yourself and your partner. Um, if you are in your first trimester right now, stay the course. It's going to get better, I promise. Um, and uh, if you had a different experience than we talked about here, that's normal too, and uh, we would love to hear about it. So let us know what your first trimester experience was like. Uh, thanks for talking about the first trimester with us, Daphne. Congratulations, Joanna. Thank you. Coming we out will, party. We will be <laughs> back next week with an episode about, you guessed it, the second trimester. Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shawflam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes, help subscribing, and to join us on Patreon, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at justonemorepod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash justonemorepodcast, or you can email us at info at justonemorepodcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. It was funny, when we, the other week, recorded the one where we, like, ran to the other room at the end to record Rage Oh, Fox, yeah. Oh. Um, I could hear myself be out of breath. <laughs> That's From so walking awesome. to the other room. That is so When funny. I listened to the recording, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Pregnant lady. Get it together. <laughs>